Welcome to the Paragold Podcast. This is Jared Pickney, and today I am joined by Pat Austin. Pat, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. So you have uh, been around Paragold for a while. I know you served as a parks director for at least 21 years before you retired. Um, but even before you were parks director, you were the assistant parks director since, uh, I think, 1974. So you've, you've seen a lot uh, in Paragold. I want to talk about your time as a parks director, but uh, honestly, I don't really know much about kind of where you came from and, and how you even got into that role. So I'm curious, can you tell me a little bit about that? Well, I have lived in Paragold all my life. I've played sports all my life. My dad was very active with the uh, baseball program in Paragool. And then when I came up, there was no softball program in Paragool. And so my dad started to look into the possibilities of softball programs. Mm. So I came from a family of athletes. I had an older brother that played ball, a younger brother that played ball. So, you know, it, it was just a natural thing for me to get out and play ball. Even when I was in grade school, there would be a couple of us girls that the, the boys would let us play baseball with them at recess time, and other girls were cheerleaders. So, you know, I've just been – I didn't know there was anywhere else to go growing up other than a baseball park. Could you hang with the boys early on? I could hang with the boys what early. Was, that's awesome. <laughs> what was your What was your sport? You said you played several. What was there one that you excelled in over the other? Well, actually, later on, after I wore out my knees, I excelled more so in golf. Okay, but I didn't start playing golf until I wore out my body in my early twenties, and uh, but I played, you know, basketball. But I played in the area the area that we did not have girls basketball. They thought it was bad for girls to play basketball. Why do you think that was? <sighs> Lack of education, I yeah. assume, because they had girls basketball periods before I was in school. And then they, they stopped it because they felt like health-wise it wasn't uh, good for the girls. I'd never heard that before. Yes. And then when we started girls basketball back, it started, you know, three on three, you know, on each end. So we, when I went to work at the center, we started the girls program also, and we played basketball at the center three on three uh, at each end. You played half court. And that's when the school, the school started back. And, um, of course, Title IX has changed a whole lot of things in, mm-hmm. in sports. Mm-hmm. So, but I was raised in sports. Was your parents athletes? My dad was an athlete. Okay, so that's where that came from. He then. was a really good ball player. My older brother was a good ball player, my younger brother. And so, you know, it just passed on down. I had a, my mother's brother back in the... You know, early 20s, he, he received a, a scholarship to play football at LSU. Oh, wow. And so, you know, sports has kind of always been around in my family. Yep. And that's it's a big just, part of your life. That's just the thing that we did. We played sports. And um, the kids back in my day, we'd gather on a, a corner, you know, empty lot. And, you know, I've always said we've taken a lot of parks away from the kids because we've taken the corner lots that we played ball on and they're building homes on or businesses on. But that was our playgrounds. 
Where we did you grow out. up at in Paragould? I grew up in Paragould. What part, I was raised on the east side Okay. back in the day, and uh, um, then I moved over on the west side. But we always played. Uh, we had a corner lot behind the hospital. It was by Sam Hayes. He was a good good ball player over the years. Mm. But there was a corner lot by his house. And uh, on the other side of his house was the Higgins, uh, Maxine and Vernon Higgins. And so Mickey and Carol were there. And so we all gathered. You know, there's a bunch of us lived on Park Street, and that's where I lived. And we would go up on the corner behind the hospital and play ball. Mm. Well, if any of us got out of line, you know, <laughs> Miss Higgins would come out, or Barb Hayes would come out, send us home. Well, I had a fenced-in backyard, so there would be times we'd play ball in my backyard. Mm. Same thing would happen. We got out of line, mother would send everybody home. You know, that was back in the day it took a village to raise a kid. What was Paragold like back to say? Was this in the... This was in the late, 60s. Okay. Yeah. What? How would you describe Paragold then? What was life like for a kid living in Paragold in the 1960s? I am so thankful that was the era I, I grew up in. We would get out in groups. There were a group of us. We could ride our bicycles. Our parents weren't concerned. They knew about where we were you know we would tell our parents you know that we're we're going out well we could ride down back in the day we had highway sundry down on uh where hancock's is now yes okay we'd drive we'd ride down there get an is ice that cream now cone. Uh, expanded to what's known as king's highway or are you talking about something totally different no i'm talking about on king's highway there, okay across from sonic yeah it was just a little two lane yes yeah. two lane okay so we would all just either walk down there or ride our bikes down there. We could skateboard. You know, we were, we when we got up at the morning, we were out the door. You know, we played out all day long. You know. There and was, was that most kids? All kids. Really? On everywhere you went. That's what I said. We had vacant lots on the, every side of town, and that's what we did. You know, you played ball. You came in. You didn't run in and out. Your mom was busy cleaning house, mopping <laughs> floors, cooking, washing and ironing. <clears throat> so she didn't want us in her way. And uh, out the door we went to play ball, and we couldn't wait to get out to play ball. Mm. You know, and that was just the, that was what we grew up doing. Um, and I assume that your oh, um, aunts, yes. I know your aunts, and they did some of the same things. So, you know, that was that was the thing. And and personally, I think a lot of kids today have missed out on oh, good definitely. times because today everything has to be organized and um, they're dropped off at a ballpark or they're dropped off somewhere else, you know, and then the parent comes back and, and gets them. They didn't make up their games. Mm-hmm. We, we made up our games. Mm-hmm. We develop our social skills right there on those corner lots. Because today you and had were, to figure out your own conflict, too, like how right. to handle your conflict. Mm-hmm. You were on my team. We were pulling for each other. Well, tomorrow you might be on the other team. And so I'm pulling against you, you know. But we develop those uh, those social skills. And I'm just, I'm just so proud of that. And I feel like a lot of our kids today have lost some of those social skills 
because of these media yes. that we have that's available to all the kids. You know, they spend a lot of times on their cell phones and computers and iPads and whatever, you yeah. know, and uh, they're not socializing. They're not right. looking at each other eyeball to eyeball. You're right. They don't know how, you know, we have a, a group in our home every Sunday and there's teenagers that um, will be in our home and, and there's times where the adults will go and we'll have a discussion uh, in another room or whatever. And if I walk through where the teens are, like in our living room, there might be four or five of them, but they're all like on different couches or whatever or chairs, and they're they're looking at their phones. They're not talking to one another. Uh huh. Right. Exactly. Right. You know. And you, I say, you know, today you recognize kids by the top of their heads because <laughs> their faces are down. You're looking at their phone, so it's the top of the heads you always saw coming. And um, so I feel like that the kids have lost somewhat. Of the things now, yes, we have we have progressed. We have made things more available mm-hmm. for kids, but we had times that we could just go out and do the simple things: kick the can under the 100%. street lights, yes. catch lightning bugs. Yes. You know, we made our fun. You know, yes, that's and, that's huge. You know, we keep uh, one of the things my wife and I will say to our kids is actually because have stopped saying it. I'm bored mm-hmm. because they know what we're going to say is mm-hmm. well, good. Like, that's okay. Like, you need to be bored so that you can figure out now what are you going to do. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to come up with something. And um, I think most kids today, they just, they, they want to feel their time with something, some electronic video, some sort of entertainment, and they're never bored. And therefore, you don't have an opportunity, like you said, to be like, okay, what are we going to do? And mm-hmm. then create fun or create an activity, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And that's a loss. And, you know, one of the things that I loved to do when I was a kid on a cloudy day on and a pretty spring day would just be lay on your back and look at the clouds and and just envision and see oh i see a, a lamb i see a a cow or whatever in the sky Absolutely. you know kids probably don't even look up today at the clouds right. and that's a that's a loss you know i think it's easy if you know i don't know who all will be listening to this episode but you you sometimes can hear people talk about the old days like oh like that's that's the past the past but what we really are missing something by how fast paced and distracted we are right now i agree with you there because you know we have just brought everything so forward so quickly and like i said you mention things and they they look at you like you're crazy you know but they are missing times and they'll when they get my age and older, they'll look back and think, man, you know, I missed out on this. Yes. I missed out on this. Going to the ditches. We didn't have, we had one swimming pool here in town. We would go to the ditches and play in the ditches, you know, and, and things like that. And, you know, kids don't don't have a clue. You know, their no. parents would kill them. What you're talking about. Oh, you're right. And what yeah. you're talking about is the difference between your generation was connected to the land, mm-hmm. to the real world, mm-hmm. and most kids today are connected to a digital world, a world that's not even here. Exactly. That they can't even touch, like mm-hmm. tangibly they can't experience. And mm-hmm. I think um, there's something about that even when I hear people talk that lived in the 60s or 70s, even 80s, you know, where I was like, oh, man, like it would be so nice to get back. The, uh, Pat, uh, have you ever seen the movie The Sandlot? Yes. Okay. I, yes. I am envisioning the sandlot when you're talking yeah, about life. your childhood. Yeah. It was your life. And uh, my son, who's eight, he loves that movie. And uh, there is something like, Jared, what you were saying, that just seems to 
even today for people who are living in this digital world that still is very attractive to them about that way of life, that way of growing up. Yes. 100%, yes. man. I think mm-hmm. it's wired into us, honestly, mm-hmm. by God. Like, we're meant to be connected to the land and connected to one another. Exactly. You know, and that's it. You you form relationships, friendships that will go on forever. You mm-hmm. know, you can uh, just develop those. Friends may move off and come back, but you get together and you talk about the old fun you used to have. Now, I'm just curious about how it's going to be when they just come back and talk about Oh, remember all the time that we spent <laughs> on the, our cell remember phones? That app? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Instead of the times that we spent in so and so's yard, yes. and Miss Higgins wrote us, ran us off, or you know yes. whatever, you know. Yep. So we'd laugh about those times, and I know we do that when we have class reunions, you know. So yeah. it's uh, I just can't imagine what the kids in the next now to ten years are going to. I know, and what your generation, I think, had too, and is, um, and I'm throwing myself, I'm a millennial, right? So, mm-hmm. like, I'm, we, we got cell phones. I got a cell phone when I was a senior in high school, and we mm-hmm. got a computer in the house when I was 15. So, I did have quite a bit of life, like, before that world, but I, it began to come in as I was, before I got out of the house. But I think one of the things that's missing um, that is a vital component to success is grit. And so, like, there, there's a, a great book out there for parents that was interested called The Blessing of a Skinned Knee. Mm-hmm. And it's just talking about the importance of, like, man, you need to let your kids get out and scrape their knee. Oh, yeah. And, and fall and have some failure because that is real Resilience. world stuff. Yes. And if we you bounce don't have, back. Yeah. It doesn't matter what you get on your ACT. It doesn't matter where you graduated in your class. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter how articulate you are. If you don't have grit and you don't have resilience, mm-hmm. you're not going to make it any profession no. or in any relationship. For no. Matter. You know, and that's the thing about, you know, we didn't run to the doctors. Our parents, our grandparents, they had home remedies. You know, <laughs> I don't know how many of you have had Mercuricom put on your cuts and yeah. things on your fingers, yep. but it burns like heck. Yes, it does. But it works, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and we just didn't uh, uh, run to the doctor every time we fell down. And somehow you know? you're still here. We would get right back out. Yeah. We couldn't wait to get back out there, you know. Slap something on it and let me go back out and yeah, play. That's yeah. awesome. I love it. So how did you, um, you went to, I know you were in Paragold School District. Eventually you graduate high school. When you graduated, did you know what you wanted to do with the rest of your life? I thought I did. What did you think you wanted to do? <laughs> I thought I wanted to go to college and be a certified CPA. So huh. I started this college and uh, that's, that's the time that we started a little girl softball program. Uh, before then, I was playing softball, but we didn't have the little girl softball program. So there was a friend of of mine and myself. We played on the women's team. And at the time, we were playing travel ball and never even heard of travel ball. But it was due to the fact that we did not have any fields in Paragool for the for the girls or women to play on. Mm. We had the baseball park on the east side. For the baseball, for Bland the boys Park to wasn't play. around yet? Bland Park was not around yet. Okay. Baldwin Park, behind Baldwin School. Huh. I didn't even know there was a park Oh, there. that was, uh, you just thought that was, you know, Bush Stadium. It was a beautiful ball field. Really? Are there remember. any pictures of that anywhere? Oh, there should be. And I guarantee you, Richard Brummett can come up with some. Yeah. But I have I spent so many nights down at that ballpark but I remember us having a big south 
Midwest Regional Tournament come in. They came in on charter buses. They came in from Louisiana, Texas, all around. What ages? Oh, that was, um, they were um, probably 17, 15 to 17. And they were coming to this field. They were coming to this field. When was that? What year? Years-ish? I see. I was probably still in fifth, sixth grade. Um, so that would be uh, early sixties. Yeah. Uh-huh. And but that was one of the prettiest ball fields. What around. happened to it? Well, when the school, you know, but when we moved, uh, they built the baseball parks. But the school out there, okay, you know, when the school got blown away in the tornado back in the seventies, early, no, late sixties, late sixties. I'm assuming. That was Baldwin School? That was Baldwin School, yeah. So then when they got around to building the new baseball parks out at Bland, uh, they moved everything out there, the Babe Ruth Field. The Babe Ruth Field was down behind Baldwin School. Mm. And then your little league was over on the east side. Was there a field that was over at Labor Park at one point that like somehow connected... I don't know, like it was different back then. But it was some sort of a farm system for Major League Baseball. It was not at Labor Park. It was uh, they played uh, the farm system. Even my dad played in older, you know, and yeah. my brothers. They went to out Stanford and played ball. And at Labor Park, we had uh, the uh, little league okay programs over there. And then when we developed those fields out at uh, Bland Park, and that was in the early 70s. We moved the boys out there, and so we started looking for parks for girls to play softball. So we we developed that over there, and we opened that in 74. We started the little girl softball program over there. That's at Rotary Park? That's over at Labor Park. Okay. It was over at Labor Park. Okay. Rotary Park was developed later than that. What was I? Somebody had told me, and I can't remember if it was my grandpa or somebody, and maybe he, I don't know, maybe not. Was there ever, am I totally dreaming that? Or have I just picked, <laughs> received some fake news that at some point there was some sort of an, again, this is before like single A, double A, triple A, and all that. Like, was there something where Paragold had some sort of a connection with some sort of an affiliation where people came and played here that, um, I don't know that scouts would come and look at things like that. It was not high school ball. It wasn't Legion ball. It was something different. Yeah. Do you, do you have a clue what I'm talking about? Um, it was semi-pro ball. Okay, semi-pro ball. Yeah, it was okay. a semi-pro ball that they were looking at. And where was that? Yeah. At? And they were looking at well, like I said, out of Evening Star and different okay. places like that. Okay. And, you know, and and my my dad even played semi-pro ball. Okay. All right. So, you know. So yeah. I didn't dream that. I no, thought you I'd didn't heard dream that. It. I figured everybody knew you would be the one that could tell the truth. We had some pro ball here. And so, um, but then, you know, we developed the, the nice complex out there at Bland. And then so we looked at um, moving the little, starting a little girls program mm-hmm. at Labor Park. Mm-hmm. And um, so that just took off and it, it came to the point where we didn't have, then we had women wanting to play too. So we didn't have enough fields. So we, Moved some fields out to Harmon Park, out behind the field and mm-hmm. where the parking lot was for the football field. 
And uh, so we started the little girls softball program in the women's. And I played in the women's and coached and umped in the little girls program. And that's actually how I got started in Parks and Rec. The director at the time with the Parks and Rec, um, Richard Brummett was assistant. And uh, I was playing and I was coaching the little girls softball. And um, um, my team beat the parks director, his team, which was the number one team. And he called me and he said, well, you've just outcoached me. Mm. I said, I believe I did. And um, so, you know, he said, would you be interested in coming to work for the parks department? I said, not really. And um, he talked to me. He said, well, come in and talk to me. So I went in and talked to him. And I said, I'll do it for one year. And then I'm going back to school. And that was what year? Yeah, that was in 1974. And I knew that there was no money in Parks and Rec. My dad worked for the Corps of Engineers, and he had a federal government job. And he preached to me and preached to me. He said, get a silver service job. Yeah, Go with the federal government. And uh, so, but I, I was wanting, I always loved numbers, and so I was wanting to be a CPA. What a different world that would have been. Oh, what a different world. And I'm, you know, I'm thankful now because I don't think I could stay. I love to crunch numbers, uh-huh. but to just stay there and look at numbers all day all long. I, at a desk. I, yeah, that, you know, and I I was talking to uh, Robert earlier. I've also been a member of the LPGA teaching division, and I teach um, golf, so when I would work with a an accountant or someone mathematical that's, you know, it, it's got to be so, 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 step by step, one, two, three, it's it's more difficult working with those because it's they're very analytical. Mm-hmm. And so instead of just free swinging. So I am, I'm, I'm probably, I'm very grateful that I stayed with the parks for all these years. What what did your dad think about that decision? Was he still alive whenever you decided to go from CPA to Parks and Rec? Yes, he was. Um, of course, he he was proud that I was with the Parks and Rec because he was such a supporter of sports. Um, but like I said, he he told me he said, you know, there's no money. In that field, and you need, you know, you have good insurance, and you have different benefits with federal government, and I understood that, and he understood that, but you know, he knew where my heart was with the sports because his was too, and uh, so he was okay with that, and in a roundabout way, I think he was proud, very proud of what That's I good. had chosen to do. What would you say in all the years that you, since 46 years total, what are you most proud of as you look back on your time as parks director or even assistant director? Gosh, there's so many things that I'm, I'm proud of. I'm, I'm so proud of where we've come from. And most people in this town do not know where we have come from, especially the kids. They don't know that we had one, we finally in in 1969 opened the old community center and Mm. and that's basically what we had and then we developed the other centers and 
the other parks, and so they're they don't know where we have come from. And when we built that complex south of town, mm-hmm. talking about yeah, the water park. I'm talking about with the water park, the indoor swimming pool, you know, and the the big facility itself. You know, it was a. I just had to pinch myself, thinking, "Is this really happening?" And then having the softball fields out there and the soccer fields, a beautiful complex we have. It's you know, it was. I, I watched every step of it being built. And um, it was just unbelievable that a small town like Paragool could do that. And I still have people in Jonesboro that will, I have great friends there, and they'll say, how can Paragool do this and Jonesboro can't? Yeah, how, did, how did that happen? Well, we, we had a great support of a committee that got together and really pushed this and went to every entity, every organization that they could Anyone that would let them in the door to talk to, they would talk about what the plan was for this and um, going about getting it done, you know, and it was passing the sales tax, you know, and we would pass the sales tax and we explained everything that they were going to receive. The only way that I feel like that you can sell something to a community when it involves raising taxes is be completely open and tell them what they're going to get for their money. Mm -hmm. And we did more than that. We provided more than what we said we were going to do. And so what we did was, you know, the senior citizens at at our old center, you know, their programs were expanding. And they were coming all the time and saying, we need more room, we need more room. So we pushed um, that it would allow the senior citizens to have a building of their own for their programs. It would let us expand our programs. Uh, The swim teams would have a place to call their home. Uh, Soccer teams, soccer played at the high school at the time. You know, and the high school was looking at expanding different things. So, you know, they were going to be without a home. So it just gave everybody a new home to mm-hmm. go to and a beautiful complex mm-hmm. that people would come in. And, you know, I said, I feel like that we had we set the bar. And then everyone that came in after us has tried to raise that bar. Mm-hmm. But at an extremely amount of increase to build the complex. Like we did ours for, we passed our, our sales tax for $14 million. Um, Mountain Home's doing it, and they're doing theirs for over $40 million. Wow. Uh, Batesville did theirs for over $40 million. You know, so we did ours just at the right time, and that's what I would tell everyone. I said, you know, now's the time to do it before the price of steel goes up. And everything else goes up. So, you know, we set the pattern, and everybody has jumped on and tried to improve on what we've done, and w- which is great, you know. And that's what you have to do. I, I feel like that you have to have good foundations, and, and Paragool has had good foundations, and then we've expanded on those programs, and we're going to continue to expand on those programs with things that the, the new administration is looking at doing. But, um, you know, you have to have those and you have to have everybody on the same page. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And these other towns around sometimes can't get on the same page. I like where they want it. It's I don't want it in this area of town and this, you know, and and all that really comes into play because I can tell you, the f- when they were looking for a site for the first community center, which is on 12th Street now, they looked at um, a site on uh, um, uh, Wart Street. Mm. That was one of the sites. They had three sites picked out, and they looked at the street the site out there. They said that's too far out of town, yeah. too far out of town. You know, and now it so, feels like it's right know, in the middle. Yeah, now it's in the middle. You know, so but you know they they turned that site down because it was too far out of town, and so you know. But we have been so blessed with with the people that's worked with us. The the Harmon Park was the first park. Uh, established in this town and it was through the Harmon foundation out of new york Hmm. and then we the second one was labor park and we went from labor park we had you know um we uh established different ones the bland park and the um the community center the harm you know all of them so we've been blessed with people Mm -hmm. that's come forward we've received grants um it's a lot of work that goes into that, isn't there? It's a lot of work that goes into it, but it's you know it's you step back and you say, "Wow, that Absolutely. was so rewarding," you know. And of course, anybody that knows me very well, they know that this has always been my passion. Um, I've walked away from family dinners and and my family at my home when something goes wrong in the park, and I'd go and you know check and see what's wrong because. You know, and they understood. I had a very supportive family with my background and knowing how much I loved my job. Mm-hmm. They were very supportive. And um, we've just been able to take the the parks. And, and my, my feeling is that we've improved on it in every mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. When I started out, like I told Robert earlier, that we started out, um, I had a $54,000 budget. Back in 1975, mm. and then you know we've come up to over a four million dollar, and now it's probably six million dollars, I think. Mm. So you know, I've seen the poorest of times, and I've seen the the better times. Uh, I remember the days of playing basketball at the old center when we ran uh, plastic from the inside the uh, ceiling tiles down to trash bag trash cans on the gym floor. And they played around, they played basketball around those trash cans uh, so they could play ball, you know. And uh, so we've, uh, and then now I know that uh, Josh has gone in and and we've uh, had the money to go in and doing some renovations there at the old center. And and that's what you have to do. It's a cycle. You know, mm-hmm. we started, when I started, we had nothing. You know, then gradually we'd get a little money and we'd put it in this park or we'd put it in that park. Then when we passed that sales tax, it allowed us to improve all the parks and build that complex out there. And now it's time, you know, that's that we talk, we say it's the new community center. It's 20 years old. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. You know, it's 20 years old. Well, not actually 20 yet. We opened it in 05. But um, wow. it's, um, you know, it's you just have to keep, you know, going forward and, and putting money into things as you can get it. And money's tight at times. And then 
then there's times that we have money that's available for us to to put into things, and so it just it's just been um, it's been a maze. It's just really been a maze. You just go open one door, then into another door, and everything. Yeah. But every day has been a pleasure. You know, it's not been a job for me. It's been a passion. Oh, that's huge. And and you're you've done something that and Robert knows this has been a theme on the podcast, but you've been able to marry your uh something you're good at with something you're passionate about. And if you can do those two things, it never really feels like you've worked a day in your life. Nobody has to when you find that job, uh it's hard for you to not go in. Mm-hmm. Nobody has to motivate you to go in. You have to motivate you to not go in, right? Because right. you love it so much and you mm-hmm. want to do it. And so, and you've done a great job. I mean, as I've listened to your story of your childhood, which I didn't know before this podcast, is, is you you've you took something you loved and that was very special to you and that you believed in that enhanced the quality of your life and the quality of your friends and your family, and you basically tried to reproduce that uh, in throughout the city as things were being built, more concrete was going up, uh, more buildings were going up. You provided and help with a good team, provide these green spaces that really does enhance the quality of life. And it's the kind of thing that draws people to a city and keeps them to a city. Yes. You know, and it does. And that's what we want to do every day is because, you know, um, businesses and, and industries and things are not going to come in unless there's things for their kids to do and their families to do. And that's what you're looking for all the time. You know, you're you're sitting down and you're looking at five-year plans, you know, and you may not be telling everybody what you're thinking about, but you, you have that going on in your mind about what can I do next? Mm-hmm. What can we do next? What can I get the money for? You know, and, and where do I need to research, you know, to find this money? And um, so you, you want to keep growing. You You've got to keep improving your community. Mm. This is my community. Mm. I lived here. I, I wanted to stay here, and I want to remain here. Um, kids that I graduated with, they said, why have you stayed in Paragool? Mm. Uh, and my answer was, I love Paragool. Mm-hmm. It's a great place to raise a family, and it's a great place to to live in. And, you know, we have a lot of stuff here, and, we're close enough that we can go to Memphis if we, you know, there's, mm-hmm. we want to see things. And, um, but to me, this is home and I'm proud of my home. Yeah, me too. And I, I love that you have taken the part. It's so easy to play the uh, armchair quarterback, right? Who sits back and is like, well, this is the way I would do it. Mm-hmm. This is what I would do. And, and rather than complaining, you chose to be a solution to some of these problems by pouring yourself into the city, well, which is huge. You know, that's that's one of the things that you have to do in in this kind of position. And, it, and like you said, it, it's easy to sit around and say, "Now, this is what I would do, or I need to do," or that. But they may not know all the the whys and ifs we can't do, or we can do that. And that's what I would try to tell the people. You know, my my first thought was, I work for the community, and I want to do what's best for the community. And if if they had an idea or something, I want them to come and talk to me about it, and let's find out if we can do it. Mm-hmm. And if we can't do it, let's find out why we can't do it. That's good. You know, and that was that was the theory that I went by, and it's just uh, which uh, gets back to that creativity when you mm-hmm. grow up uh, having to figure to problem solve. Right? Mm-hmm. You're bored. 
we got to play a game. We only have limited resources. How are we going to make this work? That's mm-hmm. a practical example of how that applied to your job as you got older. Of, mm-hmm. Okay, here's an issue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now here's a roadblock. Let's figure out a way to kind of get around this and make it work. Mm-hmm. That's right. And like I said, we've, we've done that, and now we're growing with it. And uh, I just see, you know, but first you have to have a, a solid foundation to build on. Mm-hmm. And I think Paragol has that, and we're going to continue to see us grow and uh, flourish and um, develop other things that's coming up. But uh, I hope we don't forget and get away from where we really came from. Where would you say that is? How would you put, could you put that in words, where we came from? Well, the reason, I think the, we have to think about the people that came before us. Mm-hmm. We owe so much to so many people, mm. you know, the Blands, mm. the Mavweathers that gave us the property for for that place, and uh, Francis Bland for tackling this of reaching out and trying to figure out how we could go about developing a community center. Mm. You know, he was the first one that approached that. And um, then you have the Hargets. You, you have so many... F- older folks in our community that uh, were responsible for this mm-hmm. and uh, we still do and some of my greatest resources were the people like Bill Fisher and mm-hmm. and um, you know the the blocks and the different ones that I could reach out and talk to and and they would uh, explain to you Jay McDaniel think how much we owe him for the years that he spent in with the the electrical industry here in town mm. and and getting us the the rates for our electricity that we enjoy today and um, you know it, we've just had founders before us that's this brought us together and mm-hmm. and gave us something you know and you go back and you say okay how did you do this tell us you know how you know you've you've tried so many things I've tried so many things. Uh, I've done everything, every way possible, and sometimes it didn't work. Sometimes it did work. So those things have already been tried. Let's don't just keep trying to reinvent the wheel. Let's just keep oiling that and keeping it running smoothly Uh and and keeping it going instead of just trying to reinvent everything all all of a sudden. Yeah, that's good. Well, you talked about... Whenever you said, let's not forget where we came from, I love how, to you, that's about the people. And I think that's what makes a, a good city good is mm-hmm. the people who live in it. And obviously, we're biased. We're from here. But even the people who have moved from outside into Paragold that we've had on the podcast and others I've met, I think there is something special about mm-hmm. the city of Paragold. And that's not just me talking that way, but it's others as well. So We're unique. And, you know, I've served on the, the state board for several years, and, and that's what I talk about with all the different uh, leaders of those communities and particularly park directors is that we, when we see something that we believe in, we as a community will get behind it. That's the only way that we were able to build that community center and uh, we will get behind it. We have everyone in the city will work together. Our departments, the fire department, the, the street department, parks department you know we all worked together we were like 
a family. Mm-hmm. And if mm-hmm. if we were building a new fire par- uh, department, we knew that the money was going to be lower for us that year. And same thing with when we were building that new community center. Well, the other departments weren't going to get much that year. So, you know, I, I tell them, I said, we're unique. We work together. Our utility company here in town, if you needed something, you picked up the phone, you called them, they were there to help you. That's awesome. You know, and that's, that's being a community that that's, works together, lives together. That's great. Well, I'd love to end with our rapid-fire questions. I know you said you're familiar with these from uh, previous episodes, but um, we'll just fire these off. Six questions. Ready? Okay. What is either the last book you read or movie you watched? Hmm. The last book I've read. Or movie you watched. Or movie I've watched. Um, or it could be a show. I have been... It's it's funny because this summer when I was playing golf, the ladies I was playing with, you know, they kept talking about um, Yellowstone. And I thought, <laughs> what are y'all talking about? And they yeah. said, you've never seen it. I said, no. So I started binge watching yeah. Yellowstone. You and everybody else. That. Yeah. And so I guess that's really the last uh, TV show that I've really gotten into is this uh, Yellowstone. Have you I've watched it. 1883 yet? Oh, I love 1883. Oh, isn't that great? Yeah. My wife and I are mm-hmm. watching that right now. Yeah. So I would love to talk more about that, but I don't mm-hmm. want to ruin it for the people who have not watched it. That's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that, that show has me experiencing so many feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, what is your favorite type of music? I don't have, I would say, a favorite. Of course, I'm... You know, from the 60s and 70s, so I like uh, rock and roll. I like yeah. uh, the Eagles. I like yeah. the Bee Gees. I like, yeah. you know, so classics. all those. Yeah, classics. I, and I love uh, I love country music. Okay. I love country music, but, you know, and I'm a great fan of gospel music. Very good. What's your favorite meal? Favorite meal is what I call good old Country groceries, you know, I like uh, uh, meatloaf and, yeah. and pork chops and Absolutely. mashed potatoes and corn. Yeah, come and, on. Know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, just bring it on. Right yeah. on. Absolutely. I uh, One of my favorites that my wife does, and people probably like, what are you doing? You, that many people think I should live in the 60s, but I love uh, a good Salisbury steak mm-hmm. with some yeah. mashed potatoes, mm-hmm. gravy. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's good for me, Robert. That's all I need, bro. You yeah. probably learned about the Salisbury steak from Bonanza. Not, they may have the best I've Salisbury never, steak. I've never seen Bonanza. <laughs> oh, they had they had great. They were yeah. good. Uh-huh. I have eaten at Bonanza though. That's what I'm talking about. Oh, I thought you were talking yeah. about like they were like oh, the old Salisbury steak at Bonanza. <laughs> I was like, I thought you were talking about the show. I'm like, yeah, I'm, no, uh, like a eight inch stick. Yeah, okay. Was, boy, you're talking good. about the Bonanza, baby. The Bonanza. Yeah, the band. Right yeah. there, over yeah. <laughs> That's excellent. All right, um, what is on your nightstand right now? Right now, I have. Uh, the, the new book out by a young fellow that was from here in Paragol, and it's The Joyous Leadership. Oh, yeah. By Mark, Mark Watson. Watson. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was on our podcast. Yes, and that's the book that's on my nightstand now. Is uh, And then he's going to be in town, and um, I'm planning on having him sign my book then. That's great. Mark, mm-hmm. is he's an awesome guy. He really is. He is, if I'm not mistaken, planning to uh, retire back here. So mm-hmm. it'll be good to have him living in the city. He sure will. Uh, last two questions. Um, give us a snapshot of an ordinary moment in your life 
that brings you great joy right now? So just an ordinary moment in your life that brings you joy right now. I guess you could say when you, like when you open a new complex or you open a new playground or something, you know, and you're out there and you're seeing the kids bounce around and mm. and yip and, and holler and scream, you know, that just that just puts the love in my heart and think, yes, that hard work was all worth it. You know, it's awesome. all been it's worth gotta it. It's got to be satisfying. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I never had children of my own, and, and I said I'd, I didn't raise any kids, and everyone will say, you raised half the paragol. <laughs> so, you know, and it makes you feel good when someone comes up and say, hey, I remember when you did this. I remember when you ran the summer programs. I ran, you know, and I had a preacher here in town that told me one day, he said, you probably kept me out of jail. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I yep. thought, well, yep. that, that made me feel pretty yes. good. There's probably some truth to that. Yes, but um, one of the things, too, and, and I may be bouncing off line here, but over at Labor Park, I feel like that we have made a big difference over on that side of town. You yes. know, things have definitely changed since I grew up on the east side. Yeah. They're definitely different over their dynamics. And, um, but I feel like that we've had, we've made a different impact over there. And I always mm-hmm. tell my staff, if we could save one kid from falling through the cracks mm-hmm. and show them that there is a different way of life than what, they may be seeing over there, they may be seeing at home, you know. And if we can make a difference, and we always had such a good staff over there that, you know, would help the kids, and they were there to give advice and tell them, look, if you do this, you know, someday you're going to want to be able to do this. And I remember telling a little girl one day that I said, you know, you never know whose desk you're going to be sitting across from asking for a job. And I said, you never know what they're going to remember about you as a, as a, a young kid, you know. They can, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. I remember that dirty mouth, or <laughs> I remember, you know, whatever, yeah. you know. But, you know, th- that's probably of all the things we've done in the parks in the 46 and a half years I've been there is the the difference that we've been able to make at Labor Park yeah. in it those kids' lives. It 100% has made a difference. Mm-hmm. Last question, what is one thing that you're deeply grateful for right now? Just one thing that you're really thankful for right now. I am thankful for all the, f- the friendships and um, that I have made over the years, you know, with um, throughout the state and uh, here in town of developing the friendships. You know, I can go to them and, and I can talk to them about different things and, you know, so... I, I'm deeply appreciative of the the people that I've met in the 46 and a half years. Mm. That means a lot to me. You know, people, that's that's my concern. And, and I want to feel um, love and I want to feel friendship. And that's uh, probably the, the best thing about the 46 years and a half I've spent here in this town is with our our community and and the feeling the the friendships that is huge and it is so important for me to hear that as uh i actually just spent time with a 66 year old man in jonesboro right before i came here and when i asked him hey what would you say to a guy my age is basically it was um 
focus on relationships, focus on friendships, because the older you get, the more those are going to be valuable to you. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's just good for me to hear that from so many different people, I feel like, recently in my life. It's just been put on my radar over and over and over. That's the thing that seems to matter the most. So I want to thank you so much for making space to be here today and for your investment in our city. The city truly is better uh, because God created Pat Austin. And so thank you for using your abilities, your resources, your passion for the sacrifice that you've made. It's made a difference in my life, made a difference in the lives of those listening to this. It'll make a difference in the lives of my kids and so on. So it's an honor to have you here today. I appreciate that. I do. Really do. Thanks a lot, Pat. All right. And that was Pat Austin. It was enjoyable. Robert, any thoughts? Yeah, very uh, enjoyable. What I felt like is she had a childhood that she feels like, and it's probably true, that most kids aren't getting to experience today. And what I thought was great is she's so passionate about it. And with uh, her job that she's had for so long, she's been able to create that kind of environment or experience for so many kids in our community. Yeah, she really has. That's exactly uh, what I was thinking is you take, and we we talked about it in the podcast, and we've talked about it in several other episodes as well, is you take something that you're good at, you're passionate about, and you marry it together for the benefit of others, and and that's a life uh, well spent. So, yeah. Pat Austin, again, thank you so much for coming on and for all that you've done um, to leave Parable a better place than you have found it. So. Yeah, yeah. If you're still listening to this, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, if you've not already done so, please go to iTunes. Give us a five-star rating. That helps people to find us more quickly and learn about the incredible people living here in Paragold. Uh, also, remember, we're on all the different social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook. Uh, we have an email list that you can subscribe to as well. So, as always, thanks for listening, and until next time.